Well, good morning. I want to uh, welcome all of our campuses this morning to the service. This is our only one, but I just wanted to say that. I hear people say it all the time, but I just really appreciate being able to say that, and I do welcome you. What a great looking crowd. This morning, you just, I don't know about you, but just sensing what the Lord's doing in the room already, you, you almost want to, sometimes you just step up and go, Lord, just don't let me mess this up. <laughs> we're continuing our series in Acts, and we're going to extend this series, Lord willing, into through the month of September at least, and because we've realized we haven't moved very far. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're trying to, uh, and, and we could have slowed down a lot more. But today we're going to be talking in Acts chapter 11, and it's about a church in transition. As we talked about last week, and we talked about Peter's vision, and he and Cornelius, and the inclusion that to not look down on anyone, don't call unclean what I have called clean, the fight against prejudice, the fight against believing you're superior. So Peter ends up, though, having to be in Jerusalem to explain himself. He has to end up there. Uh, I say has to or gets to, whichever way you want to look at it. So here he is. Uh, he's now going to he's shared with them what the vision was all about, all the things that God was showing him where he went to Cornelius' house. And the leadership was good with that. It was pretty awesome to read that in Scripture, that they were good with that, with what God was doing. So today we're going to really just talk about what it means for the movement to begin to to take off. You go from a Jerusalem-based, mostly Jewish church, to an ethnically diverse, background diverse church in Antioch. Diverse people being embraced. Yeah, they were Orthodox Jews... But as we read scripture over, especially you know, through Acts 8 through 12, you see this inclusiveness. But the challenges that come with becoming inclusive. And it's not even some of the hurdles we would even think about initially, like, okay, different customs, different things. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that today. Some of the challenges that we have in the culture we live in today when we become inclusive. I'm going to read Acts 11. I'm going to read 19. Well, I may read all the way through, but at least 19 through 26 this morning. Here we go. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenician, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News, News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw... What what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. I'm going to stop there for right now and I may come back to the other parts later. This is the cliff notes. <laughs> Man alive. You, you, you start getting into the, into, if you started kind of getting into the depth of all that just we just said right there, all the changes that are happening, all the overwhelmness that Barnabas is stepping into there. Man, you could, you, I, we don't know all of it. Man, it would make a great, great reality TV show. Because what is happening here, all these people from pagan beliefs and coming in and they're, they're getting saved and the Lord's hand is upon them and he realizes, man, this is too much for me. I got to go to Tarsus and get Saul, bring him. What all was going on there? So much more happening in here than what I just read to you, even though, it, again, it's kind of the cliff notes of this, to me, this tremendous, exciting story that's unfolding. Antioch was about 300 miles or so uh, from Jerusalem, I think we have a map up there. And I don't know if, if you can see it well or not, but it's over here on the side. If I had a little laser, I would use it, okay? See Jerusalem here on the right-hand corner, bottom right. See Antioch, and you see Tarsus. Antioch, uh, Jerusalem to Antioch is about 300 miles or so. As we see, and then Tarsus to Antioch, you have to go up and around the Mediterranean, and it is about another 150 miles, we guess. Antioch is a city that... About 500,000 people. Again, you can see there, it's right on the Mediterranean, or a little inlet, about 20 miles inlet from the Mediterranean. One of the most prosperous cities. And they figure about 70,000 Jews live there also. But let's back up just a second. These missionaries, we look at this and go, boy, isn't it impressive that these missionaries from Jerusalem decided, hey, man, I think we're going to go to Antioch and see what we can do about preaching to the people in Antioch. That's not how that happened. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, they didn't go voluntarily. They went as a have to. Uh, they moved out, but God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? He has a way of bringing circumstances. Unfortunately, here it was Stephen's death. But God has a way of bringing circumstances into our life to move us out of something that might be real comfortable if we just stayed right there. Sometimes he comes in a still, small voice. Now, the advantage we have, sometimes he comes to us in that voice as we're reading the Word. As we're in prayer, as we're around other people that are going the same direction we believe God is calling us to. But sometimes, He allows circumstances to happen in our lives that forces us to do something we would never do unless those circumstances came upon us. That's what happened. It spread the church. We all worry sometimes, even in our culture today, about persecution. I'm not. There's two things. I, well, I'm not looking for persecution. And I think one of the things we've always got to remember is self-made martyrs are not really martyrs. You don't just go try to make yourself a martyr so you can be persecuted, so you can be scattered. Okay, so you, that's not what we're saying. But we may be in a culture where that may be more and more apparent in our lives, but we don't become silent. As a matter of fact, 
those circumstances may come into our lives to force us to do something we would never do otherwise. What remind, when I read the, the story of Antioch, it reminds me a little bit of our, our mission statement that I'll mention here in just a little while. Our, our, of, of, uh, but it comes out of 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. But Paul is writing, we won't read it here. You can look it up, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. You can read it later on but, uh, if you want to. But Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he's basically saying to them, he's saying, man, we have heard about you. Almost everywhere we go, we don't even have to tell people about you. They're basically telling us about what, they're telling us about what they've heard about you. Something's happening here. And again, we could preach on 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. It's a powerful passage of Scripture against where 1 Thessalonians 1, 3 is where our mission statement for renovation uh, is, is birthed out of. But the stories of Antioch had reached Jerusalem. We know there's no TV, there's no email, there's no MSN, you know, whatever. We know that so, so somehow or another, there had to be such a movement happening that it's now trickling down 300 miles away. And the leaders in Jerusalem chose, chose Barnabas. The word says here, a good man. But he wasn't just any good man. He was a good man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like we used to say in the South. He's a good old boy. <clears throat> there just ain't no great demand for just good old boys anymore. <laughs> and you got to be more than that. There was no great demand as a leader going into Antioch, just a good man. It had to be more than just a good man. It had to be a man full of faith. It had to be a man full of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas has already shown his worth, and we can look at it in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 4, his generosity. He was a man, probably had the gift of giving, I don't know that, but no doubt he gave things away. He supported the church in an unbelievable way, especially early on. Acts chapter 9, we see him going to Saul. He was that connection of a man that probably was a little, they were probably a little leery of Saul in Jerusalem. The leadership was probably a little leery of Saul. They didn't want to, they didn't know what to do with Saul, who now is Paul. But Barnabas had enough cachet. Barnabas had enough swag. Barnabas had enough favor and influence, not only with God, but with man. That when he was sent there, and he came back, and his word said, we need to recognize Saul. It carried different weight. Because he's a, not only a good man, but a good man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And Barnabas did not walk into a situation where everyone in Antioch, and I would say for the most part, very few, had a real grasp on this religion. No doubt they had heard the story of Jesus Christ, but, but their background, because most of them are probably converted pagans of some type or nothing, they probably had to start in Genesis 1, and let's just start this thing, and let's just start from scratch. Not like the Jews that were being saved, not like the Jews that were coming to Christ, they were starting further along. The Jews were a little bit, at least they had, because Christ is throughout the Old Testament. But these pagans don't have that. 
the Jews would in many ways would be like, you know, because of their teaching, they had some kind of ethical, moral base. Not only the Ten Commandments, obviously, that we know about, but other laws that they had put in there that, as we know, strangled them in some ways. So as accepting Jesus as their Savior, they had heard about Him coming. Like some of you raised in church. You know enough about all this, so when you're confronted with the, the, the Holy Spirit drawing you to accept Christ as your Savior, you accept Him as your Savior, but you already have probably a moral base of what you believe Christians do because you're raised in the church already and you've watched other Christians. So you already have that base. those far away from God today there's a phrase and you may or may not have heard it yet but it's a phrase called it's a phrase called in religious circles called the nuns not n-u-n-s n-o-n-e-s okay the nuns and basically what are you may be here today and you may be one of the nuns in this sense there are people who self-identify as atheists or agnostics as well as those who say they're who say their religion is nothing in particular. I don't know what that means, but it's just nothing in particular. Really, yeah, I got some kind of religious, but really, I can't really specify what it is. 2007, the nuns made up about 16% of our culture. Today, it makes up about 23% in a decade. The church in America... At, at, in t- 10 years ago, or 2007, was at about 78%. Now it's at about 71 So here's the deal with the nuns. They're not coming from other religions and stepping out. They're mostly coming from the Christian world. Reggie McNeil says, and those of you who know, I've taught about Reggie off and on over a decade and a half probably, but love him, but he says the time period we're in right now is so much like the first century culture, culture commonly called the apostolic era. The challenges include religious pluralism, globalism, and the collapse of institutional religion, accompanied by, though, an increased interest in personal spiritual development, which that is in so many cases. Even though the nuns are growing, still people want to know something about this spiritual thing. In the last decade, as most of you know, we've, we've moved to a culture, if, if not, not saying it wasn't there before, but man, it is on high alert now on steroids, whatever you want to call it. We live in a gotcha, soundbite world. We don't want to put context. We talked about that last week. So many of us don't want to put context to people's lives. We don't want to put context to, to uh, you know, to almost anything. I don't want to put context to your belief. I don't want to put context to your story. I just want a soundbite. The spirit of offense is rampant in our culture. I am looking, and it goes back, I think, a little bit to this whole idea of soundbite. I am looking for something that I can be offended by. I'm just looking for it. What it does, of course, as most of you know, dialogue with different views has almost left our culture. It's tough. You know it. I know it. G. 
you know, 50 years ago, and I heard this, and I wish I could tell you who I heard it from, but uh, I don't remember that part of it. But 50 years ago, if you were a Christian wanting to lead other people to Christ 50 years ago, this person says, or the study says, that almost everybody you talk to concerning Christianity started at an 8. If you're talking about 1 to 10, as 10 being, I know about Jesus, I step into that, I, I get it, I grasp it. Everybody started at about an eighth that you talked. That's the reason why you could go cold calling. That's the reason why you could knock on somebody's door and try to lead them to Jesus that night. Because they started at an eight, now you just needed to bump them. <laughs> Let's bump them to Jesus, okay? <laughs> Today, 50 years later, they started at about a three. Even people who attend or grew up in church. So bumping no longer works. That means what we do as believers and how we approach this has to change. And I'll say this, it is also going to take a different type of leadership to get there. Not just a different approach. It's going to take a different style of leader to lead the church moving forward than it did in the past. Still may have some of the same things, but it's going to look different. We've moved, folks. Culture has moved. But I love what happened inside of the church at Antioch from Jerusalem. They were a church in transition. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Most of you have seen this slide of the five C's that I've talked about quite a bit here at Renovation, something the Lord has shown me over the last few years, last year and a half, about the five C's is about where people are. When you interface with people on a regular day-to-day basis, not just the people who... And this came out of really... Me trying to realize that, man, there's all kinds of people that walk through our doors every week. From different stages, different spots, different points of life. But we also meet them every day. And I want to be careful here because some of you, if you're not careful, you will want to look for a sound bite. <laughs> and say, you're trying to pigeonhole people. You're trying to uh, build barriers between people. You're try- That's not what this is, folks. And you may say, okay, you look at this as judgment. If somebody's over there, you're just going to judge. Let me say this about Christianity. I hope and pray, and we've talked about the love of Christ. I can, I can love someone. Matter of fact, I've said this before. I've spent most of my ministry years and 25 years over here. <laughs> and I'm still in it, still loving people. But if we don't start moving people over here, in a rapid pace, the church in America is in trouble, in my opinion. It's unsustainable. You can't build enough churches fast enough. I'll teach on that at some point. I don't want to take the time today to try to go through each one of those but you're reading them right now. Just leave them up there just for a minute, just so if you... There's some explanation. I'll be here afterwards. There is a Q&A after this today for about 20, 30 minutes, or I'll stay here all afternoon. I don't... It's fine with me. I love talking about this kind of stuff because I think it's about people. What we're trying to do here at Renovation is give people a pathway. If you're over here, and I say ignorant, I don't mean stupid. I'm just saying ignorant of... They're nuns. They're ignorant of an almighty God. Indifferent. Let me just say this real quick. Indifferent 
That's where I lived for a decade from the time I was about 17 years old to the time I was 27. I made sure I knew there was a God. I did, wouldn't like it. But in particular, no. I knew there was a God, but I hardened my heart. I didn't have to deal with him. Anybody ever been there? And combative, along the way, you either, somebody's, maybe somebody you love died. And you've questioned an almighty God. Somebody in the church has hurt you. Or your parents who are believers or something. You've, you've questioned it. You've, you've questioned it. Now anybody brings it up, it is combative. We need to love all. But we also need to be, we need to be able to give an answer for the hope that is within us. What we want to do at renovation, I'll say this real quick because we want to give people a pathway. We hope as we're designing this and developing this with God's direction and, 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 and creativity is that there's going to be drop downs in every one of these categories for you to begin to move. You to begin to move. You begin to move. You begin to live into the fullness of God's calls you to. And you can stay here for the rest of your life and being just convinced and capped. Okay, we're still going to love you. But it's not going to stop us from trying to help people who want to continue to move. I hope you understand that. That's my heart. We believe we're called to help people continue to grow in Christ's likeness. That is what our call is here. And we can continue to love everybody, but it is a call to help people grow. And we're trying to figure out the best way to do that. Some of you have seen our Uncommon uh, training that we did in the spring. Go ahead and put that logo up there if you would, please. Our Uncommon logo. It is a training that we do. Now, it used to be called Influence years ago, but we've, God has allowed us to develop it. It's got a lot of spots that need to be raised up. One of them is we've got to, create, we've got to find a pool where there's coaches. But we're starting it again on September 10th. If there's nobody does it, we're all right with that. But we believe our leaders who are going to be influential leaders in influential leadership positions here at the church need to go through it. Why? So we can be on the same page. I mean, any great marriage, any great parenting, any of those kind of great things, they want to be on the same page, wouldn't they? Any great ball team wants to be on the same page. That's what we're trying to do. I'm trying to force anything down your throat. But if we're going to become who God's called us to be, we've got to get on the same page. But Uncommon, our purpose for Uncommon, and you'll, if you want to know more about it, we've got a meeting next Sunday morning from 8.45 to 9.30. I'll talk about that. You'll have a handout, and you can decide whether or not you want to step into it. That's your call. We're going to do it on Sunday morning this year, though. Okay, this, this fall, instead of like Saturday, Sunday afternoon, we knew better than to compete with the NFL. Okay, just, you've got to be culturally aware, okay? So we ain't trying to do that, okay? There's three reasons why we do Uncommon. I mean, there's other things I could get into, but three specifics. One is we want to help you be salt and light where God has already placed you to before you're engaged and influential. The first thing we want to do, if you're a stay-at-home mom to somebody who's leading hundreds of people somewhere out there, wherever that is, we want to help you become that person that God has called you to be in that place. Compelled. That's what we want to do. That's the first place. Not even here at the church. That's the first place. Second place we want to help you is, is that we, we, we believe out of this is, is to find those people who want to be coaches and leaders all the way from our children all the way through to whatever, from uncommon coaches, all those kind of things, is to find that pool of people and to begin to train them. Not everybody will be in that pool. And it's not an exclusive pool. It's just not everybody will be called to that pool. Or they may not be called now, but will be later. 
And the third thing is, we want to help people identify their holy discontents or their passions in life and be able to figure out what to do with it. Discover, then resource. You'll hear us say it over and over. Discover, then resource. For instance, if you have a passion for our local schools, when Pastor Dana here is now to help us begin to see what God is up to. By the way, there's, if you want to bring sports, one of the things you can do is bring sports equipment. And fill up that lobby with it. We'll bring a semi in here and move them out. Okay. Now, whatever you want to do. But, but we believe we've got to get upstream, okay, with our, with our schools. And that, that begins to get into foster, starts dealing with some foster care issues, starts dealing with some crime issues, starts dealing with, man, we start getting upstream. We start dealing with other social things. Pastor to schools. You may, though, say, I didn't know there were seven other people in renovation who have a passion for reaching their local schools. What we're trying to do is find those passions and then begin to connect you. Where you might be doing it a little bit by yourself. and doesn't mean you're not doing, that you're doing wrong things I mean, at all. But what if that gets multiplied with six other people in the church that didn't know though and didn't know them and they've got the great gift mix and they've got administrative skills and they've got exhortation skills and they that's the third pool. Even though you may be doing something on your own, we want to do something potentially God may be calling inside of this church something significantly bigger based on the pool we're trying to get to. But it's all up to him to all we're trying to do what? is give the best conditions. A farmer planting a seed, all he can do is find the right season. He can till the ground. He can plant the seed. He can water it. He can fertilize it. He can cultivate it. He can do all those things. But one thing he can't make it do, he cannot make it grow. But he can give the best conditions for it to grow, though, right? That's what we're trying to do. We're never going to try to do what only God can do, which is transform a person's life. Only God can transform this community. Only Him. But he chooses to use us. As I've said here before, seems like a terrible plan. <laughs> but he does, right? Barnabas realized he was in over his head. So he goes 150 miles. If you're going to walk 150 miles somewhere, <laughs> you've got something on your mind. I need help. <laughs> what was that conversation like with, with Paul? You've got to see what's happening in Antioch. Paul, you've got to come, man. We've got people who are starting from not just zero. I think they're negative. We've got to clean. We've got to get rid of some stuff before we even start at zero. Like a... So much junk in their life. We got to even clean that out before they can begin to grow. I need you to come, Paul. The word says in verse 26 for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. People get stressed out over a six week class. <laughs> What if God sent a great awakening and renovation was a part of it? What if he did? What if he gives a great harvest? I would hope that Renovation Church has been preparing itself for the great harvest. 
See, I think, and I've shared with you last week, you can go back and listen to it, we've missed points over the last 30 years of great harvest because we weren't ready. Somebody would look around and go, well, okay, four years, man, y'all, we've been around the, we feel like we've been around the mountain a few times. And we do talk a lot about vision here at Renovation, but I'll tell you this, the vision has not changed from day one. And we've said from day one we're going to try something different here. And we realize it won't work for everybody. And God, I mean, I've just been blessing and praying over people. Not only, I just love people. And, and it may not work for everybody. What we're trying to accomplish. But a renovation mission statement, you can look at it on a... You look at it, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, to live by faith, to be known by love, to be a voice of hope. The love I talked about last week, not just phileo love, not just warm, affectionate love, but sacrificial, unconditional, not based on the other person kind of love, but based on who I become in Christ kind of love. You know, they had to make up a word, agape. There wasn't one. Phileo, eros, we all know those. You know, phileo is brotherly, a warm, Philadelphia, warm, affectionate, love, eros, sensual, those kind of things. They had to make up, they had to come up with a word, agape, because they had never seen it before because it's supernatural. Because it never could be lived out without Christ coming into the world. Give us this example, empowering us with the Holy Spirit to be able to live that out. That kind of love. To be a voice of hope. Can we be a place where broken, messed up people can find hope and healing and second chances? Where marriages are healed, families are put back together, the, where the lost are found, where the culture, culturally, let's say it's culturally, socially successful. We've been, we've been planted in a neighborhood, folks, if you, have, if you didn't miss it driving through in here, that no doubt is socially, culturally successful. But we want to be a place where they find a greater purpose for their life. Maybe they already have it. I'm not saying many of them don't. I'm just saying in general. We want to be that kind of place. The term renovation, as many of you already know, but I will repeat it. The term renovation comes from the Latin word renovare, which means to bring, bring, bring it back, bring it to be new. Let's go ahead and put our logo up there too. Which means to make new to bring vigor in life. You'll see our, our uh, logo there. It is intentionally a mosaic of broken pieces being broken. It's a construction sign, by the way. That's the reason why it's a color, because we're under, under construction here. We're under renovation. But it's a broken into the mosaic pieces of broken lives being broken apart. But what's the bridge? It's the cross in the middle. It's the cross. It ties it all back together. Our vision, I'll say it again, is to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be salt and light where they're engaged influential. Do we have that up there? To raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be salt and light where we are engaged and influential. But this is the hardest work you will ever do in your life. It is the hardest work. Is to help walk alongside beside someone to change their behavior. 
And I'll be honest with you, our target, people say, who's your target group? Who's your target group? Is it the poor? Is it the rich? Is it this color or that color? Is it men or women? Is this, is this? We're, our target group is those who truly want to be transformed. <laughs> and I'll let God figure out the rest of it. Let him figure out the rest of it. It doesn't matter. I'm amazed at how how many churches and businesses spend a lot of time and a lot of money defining their mission, vision, and values without ever ensuring that there's a practical plan to live those out. Everybody says, we need to get a vision, mission statement, need to get it. And then they don't live it out. We're trying to see. That's the reason why the term silo, you've heard me say around here before. Put the silos up if you would, please, Tori. Silos. Silos are this. It's the reason why we fight. I'm fighting against. I've been in ministry a long time. I've seen silos develop. And silos in ministry are this. It's where, where a ministry or, or whatever has a tendency to protect itself and to place their own goal or vision ahead of the larger vision of the church. Sometimes not intentionally. But we are going to try to... I don't mean this in a literal sense. I so don't take... Blow up silos. <laughs> We're going to try to protect against silos. We believe that's why we've worked so hard to get to this point, is that we across the, from, from whatever ministry it is, we're all on the same page trying to go the same direction, and there is no ministry above any other ministry. Barnabas and Paul saw the potential of these young believers. So they taught, and they taught, and they taught. They sank the roots of the people down deep, I was just talking to uh, uh, Pastor Sarah, who's our children's pastor, talking about this year their goal in children's ministry is to focus in driving our children's depth of their spiritual, in, in the Word, and understanding how to self-feed. Even as a little child, how do you do it? How do you begin to get that Word so deep within someone? Self-feeding to me as I was on vacation not too long ago, that's the phrase that God began to stir over my mind over and over, is that we as a church have got to be a place that helps people self-feed. Have to be. It's one of the things that's, I think, killing the church in America. Francis Chan says this, in America we've done this. We have, instead of going to the mountain like Moses did, we have in America as a church have made people feel real comfortable with Moses We have not taught them on how to be comfortable at sitting at the feet of an almighty, powerful God. We have got to teach people to self-feed. I wrote this statement down while I was there. It says, your dependence, your dependence, your dependence can only be on God and he might use me. Your dependence can only be on God and He might use me. Otherwise, it is unrealistic and unsustainable. I love what Wayne Cordero says in his book called The Divine Mentor. 
He said he had a staff person walk into his office and say, hey, uh, I think I'm going to leave the church because uh, I'm not just getting fed here. I'm not getting fed. Now, if you're a pastor, that is the last thing. You get so sick of hearing that. I'm just not getting fed here, so I'm going to go on. I'm going to and this is what he says. He says, I hate those words. He's, Wayne Cordero pastors a church in Hawaii. And uh, says, not because I'm insecure. He says, I hate to hear these words. Not because I'm insecure, but more because the very culture of New Hope, our church community, is designed to alleviate symptoms like this. For the past 10 years, we have intentionally built a culture that includes a self-feeding program for each individual, beginning with our staff. The refusal of this responsibility opens the floodgates for a codependency of sorts. One that requires others to don the responsibility God intends for every person. I love what he says. He says, I challenge this person with this picture. Imagine my wife, that my wife sees me one day gaunt and emaciated. My eyes are sunken in to gray sockets. My body is swelled, exposing my skeleton. My abdomen is distinct with starvation. I've obviously not been eating. When she sees me in this condition, she exclaims, What in the world is happening to you? My answer... I'm not getting fed around here. <laughs> then continuing my lament, no one is feeding me. What do you think her response would be? Feed yourself. But let me say this. There are stages of how that works. What we cannot do as a church, and we've done it across America... I believe the two biggest tragedies in America are these two things. I've named 12 others already this morning, I know. So, okay, here's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, but no, whatever. One is, we've allowed people who have truly come to Christ as their Lord and Savior. Truly. But they don't know how to self-feed yet. And we've allowed them, we've basically said to them, you know where the pantry is, you know where the refrigerator is, if you want to eat, you'll eat. We've let them die on the vine. I don't mean not saved. I'm just saying we've let their spiritual opportunity die. The other one is we've allowed people to sit in pews. Go to Sunday school. They tithe. They give. They volunteer. They do all those things. But they've not grown in 25 years in their faith. And we call them mature. We call them mature. One of the places that I love, many of you know about him, is Craig Rochelle and Life.Church in Oklahoma City. Of course, they're in 17, 17 locations, 17 cities now, I think, eight different states. I don't remember. It's just, it's just unbelievable. But a few years ago, because I believe today we've got unbelievable tools to self-feed. If you have access to any kind of online, you've got unbelievable tools. One of the things that they created a few years ago was something called Uversion. It's a Bible app. Anybody ever heard of YouVersion? How many of you got YouVersion on your Bible? Let me see. How many of you got YouVersion? A lot of you. I'm just going to recommend. Go get YouVersion. Okay, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It's free. It'll always be free from them, I, I guess, because that's just how they roll. Okay, they just give stuff away. It's how they roll. Look how many users there are right now. 283 million. But let me say this real quick. They tried it. and This is what I, the reason why second chances. Sometimes you try something, it didn't work out like you thought, try it again. They started it out as a website. Nobody did it. Then a few years later, 10 years ago, they tried it as an app. on a third, And they were right in the middle of the apps where, where Apple was launching all their 200 and something apps 10 years ago. They all launched at the same time. They got in on that. Okay. They launched it on a Thursday night. 
A 19-year-old, how many 19-year-olds we got in here? How many got? We got some 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. Okay, a 19-year-old takes this concept of version, creates it, makes it as an app. On a Thursday night, he basically has a part, part, part-time job at their church. Okay, on a Thursday night, they launch it. By Sunday night, they have 83,000 downloads. Monday morning, that 19-year-old had a full-time job, and that's the truth. And they've been growing ever since to 280. Well, they've only increased, what, how many? I can't even figure that out. 283. Look how many people are downloading right this minute. This is real. This is real time right here. Okay? 1,100 languages. I think there's one even for South Arkansas in there. I, I think. Go to the other map. Shut all the lights off in here. One of my favorite, they, you can't go find this. Oh, they'll fade out. You can't, this is only the people who were at the meeting that I went to. See those little dings? Look at America. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> Look at North Korea. Oh, that's just okay. okay. Jesus is there, though, I'll guarantee you. I'm not sure how they're working with the Bible app. But I guarantee you Jesus is up to something. Those little dings, somebody's open it right then. This is real time, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Look at it, just all the world. You have opportunities to self-feed, folks. They'll give you a plan. Even if we're, we're going to bring some things to you here in the next little while about how to do some of these things. But right now, you can go there. They will give you an opportunity to self-feed. You have no excuse. That's a pretty awesome picture, though. I love that. I love it. Turn the lights back up. Today, if you don't have a Bible or you don't know how to get started studying, you can, we've got, and I'll go get more of them. We'll order more of them. It's the book of John. I always tell people that's the place I start. I, I loved where I started because it, John had such a great relationship with Jesus in a way that was kind of unique in my opinion. Uh, but anyway, but it's a study Bible. If you want to take this, so you can write it all up and use that there out of the info desk. Get those today. There's a lot of things going on here at Renovation. Put that last one of those slides up there. Tell if you would. Of all the first impressions, I'm going to tell you this right now, folks. We need your help. There's some things here at Renovation that may go away, and I would hate for them to, because I believe first impressions, which is our greeters, our, our ushers, info desk, is probably the most valuable thing we may do here. To keep, to send a message that we are the kind of church we want to be here, which is walk across the room. We love people who are inclusive. We need your help. It's fading. And the same people keep doing it over and over. And I'm not saying it's a guilt trip. If we don't have them, we'll just see how it works without them. I think it would be a tragedy. But we got to have your help. See, Andy, sign up out front. There's some initiatives we're looking at this year. Prayer is going to take on a whole different level this year. We're already working on that. First Thursday prayers, the first Thursday prayer time here, and some things we're doing along that. The children have already talked about the schools. Again, we've got to get upstream, folks. We need your help. See, Pastor Dana, about that. Dinner on the grounds is something we've been doing ever since we've been here for the last five years, but it may go away if we don't get help. And sometimes, again, if it's not important, then it just goes away. But if it's important, we, we need help. 
Some of you have the gift of hospitality. Some of you have those gifts that we're trying to find to get people in place to, to really engage. And this is not a slam. I'm just saying some of our key people moved to California. One of them who set it up almost every time we did it is no longer going to be a part of our service, or part of our team here. We need your help. Or it's okay if it goes away too. But we need your help. From cleanup to cooking to set up to tear down all the things. And many of you know what dinner on the grounds, if you're here for the first time, we go to the gym once a month and we have a dinner out there right after the morning service. It's been awesome. It's grown. I think there's more people that show up for dinner on the grounds that's in the service sometimes. I am telling you. I genuinely do think that some week we're going to trick you and we're just not, we're just going to, I'm going to preach out there as you show up. <laughs> if we continue to do it. It's not a big deal if we don't. We'll know. If we've got people step up, we'll know. If not, it'll just kind of fade. We, didn't, we were never, it never was a sacred cow to us. But I'm just letting you know, I want to let you know what, what's going on, Kurt. But this is one of those things we need your help with if we continue it, okay? Front elevation, one of the things we're, going to, we're looking at right now, already working on, is what God may be doing to, we, we feel, I say God may be doing, but we feel like we need to be doing to be reaching out towards the community is taking our front porch that's there and closing that into a foyer and then begin to build a front porch that takes away all of our little tents and all the little things and we can do it year round where there's a gathering place and, but we're going to need, it's going to, be a, it's going to be a building unless somebody wants to come on and write a check for it right now. I say, go for it. But we're going to, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be things. I'll come to you more about that. But we believe one of the things that we want to say is what's happening in here is pretty awesome. But we haven't, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, the outside hasn't told people what's happening here on the inside. It's just blah. <laughs> it just is. You know it, I know it. Yeah, it just is. It just is. The gym, we need, uh, two of our swamp coolers are done forever. They are going to see I started saying, going to see Jesus. I don't think that's the right word, but, but I doubt that part of it. But they are done. And one of our other ones, so we're basically done with our swamp. We have done a lot of work, and some of the folks here have helped us to get ready to potentially someday put an AC and heating unit in there, which would change ways we can reach our community in all in significant ways. So we'll be coming with you on that. So there's, and right now, then he's painting over, cleaning a lot of different things. But let me say this, and we'll get out of here. A lot of things going on. And these are just kind of, man, there's so much more going Men's retreat coming up in six weeks. Women's retreat coming up. Bible study started. I mean, I just keep going. And, and it's not about all the things we can do. Hear me. We really think through this. There's got to be a why behind every one of them. If you want to stay around for the Q&A afterwards, and you want to ask me, well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Do it with the right heart, please. But, you know, but I just ask, I'll be, I'll, if we can't answer the why, we have to go back and we need to be able to answer why. We need to be able to answer why we're doing certain things. Okay. I love this statement. And the Lord's hand was with them. If somebody was writing a little story about you, and they just happened to put in there, the Lord's hand was with her. The Lord's hand was with him. The Lord's hand was with them. Oh, man. God's favor? God's favor was upon them. Barnabas, the Lord's hand was on him. You know, Barnabas, 
not only Paul, but John Mark, he, is, he was the one that helped them transition. He was the one that helped give them a second chance. And then what I love about Barnabas, he just fades in the background. And Paul moves forward. He used his influence chip to advance the kingdom with him going back into the background. But he knew his gift mix. One of them was encouragement. <laughs> yeah. But I love what I think Wayne Cordero says about encouragement. Encouragement turns into hope when his instruction, Christ's instruction, finds our ready acceptance and application. It's not hope and it's not encouragement until we begin to go, I want to accept that into my life and now I'm going to do something with it. Just me telling you over and over encouraging words means, I shouldn't say means nothing. I think it means something. We're trying to value people. But until you have a receptive heart and a willingness to go do something with it, and then the Lord's hand was on them. And what? In Antioch is the first place they were called what? Christians. The Christ ones. And I think it was probably the way I read it. Probably wasn't a compliment to some Gregory at the time. But they embraced it. Besides the Lord's hand being upon them. Being one of the greatest things you once said about you. The second one is this. You look like Christ. You look like Christ. I know it's a little longer today, but uh, I did a meeting and a sermon inside of this one. So, <laughs> some of you know that God is making you restless to make some changes, to make some significant moves. You know it. You know that the status quo that you've had maybe for a long time, you know it's not acceptable and God's been showing you. And you know it. And God has His way of loosening the roots from one thing. <laughs> I mean, when I moved to Arizona in 1990, January 1, 98, I knew in the middle of 96 that God had released us. He has a way of doing that. To do something else for him. Uh, you may be been bent on retirement all these years and now God's going to use you. Your greatest influential years may be ahead of you. Not behind you. I want to ask the band to come up. I have no idea why, but let's do it anyway. Just seems Those are the two things you do. To all campuses, the band is coming forward right now. <laughs> the good news of Jesus is good news not only for you. It's good news for your whole street. The good news of Jesus is not only good news for your whole street. It's good news for your community and your workplace. It just is. Because if it's not good news for them, it's not really good news for anybody. It's all inclusive. It's for everybody. But he wants us to grow. He wants us to continue to hunger and thirst after him. 
And what we're trying to do here at Renovation is to lay a groundwork where that can happen, where it's such a rhythm of who we are. And people are maturing in such a way that happens a little bit like I did yesterday. I had breakfast with Sydney yesterday, and we were sitting there looking at a, at a bunch of trees. We, we, we came out and we sat in the car because we didn't want to take up a, girl, a young girl's table for too long. So we're sitting out and there's these trees in this kind of a green belt area. And these birds, these long neck ugly birds. I say ugly birds, but kind of long. These, all these birds flying around. And all of a sudden, this bird flies up. Looked a little out of place. <laughs> and Sydney goes, are you serious? That, Sydney's my daughter, if you don't know, my oldest daughter. And then it was just free. But it looks so radiantly different. Not just, oh, that's a blackbird with a long neck. That's a blackbird with just a little beak. That's a blackbird with, okay, they're all black and gray. Everybody's black and gray. No, 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 no. You know what it's called? Maybe you may know in here. Called a lovebird. Called a lovebird. That's what the world's looking for. That we're so, so, so radiantly different. Not just, oh, they're pretty close there. I wonder what, oh, so radiantly, oh, they're really, no, 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 no. So radiantly different because of the love of Christ flowing through us. We got to get out of the pettiness, folks. We got to get out of the sound bite. We got to get out of the critical spirit. We got to get out of the, 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 the offensive spirit. We got to get out of that because it's bogging us down and it's holding us down. And begin to rise up. I love this Ezekiel, I think, like a mighty army. Won't you stand? Thank you guys for letting me go so long. As if you had a choice. <laughs> we want to sing, and then 10 minutes we'll put a countdown on, I think. 10 minutes afterwards, I want to say, if you're here for the first time, I want to get a chance to say hi to you. If I haven't, even if you're not here for the first time, but I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to do that. But just thank you for being here. And if you want to stay, if there's nobody stays for the Q&A, that's awesome. That means I did a really good job, or you're really hungry. One of the two. <laughs> but I would love to be able to answer whys, if it's of any help to you. Is that good? Let me pray. We're going to sing a song and we'll be out of here. God, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us all gather today. It just seems like somehow another walking in here this morning, something was different. Lord, I know, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell says that tipping point, a tipping point, where one moment it's, it's one place and the next moment it, you feel it tip and something changed. That's possibly happening in people's lives individually in here this morning. But it also may be happening collectively as a church. Lord, our culture may be the very thing that you're allowing to happen, Lord. And I don't want to get into all defining all that, but Lord, you may allow that to happen for your church to move, to be uncomfortable and begin to be everything it was called to be. We love you. Thank you for the chance to sing. We believe that is one of the greatest opportunities we have is to sing to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.